Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wedding Videography for Beginners. I am your host, Phil Beavout, and we are back. Very excited to get back into the podcast because it means that I'm almost done with all of my edits. Whoop! The, um, I don't know about everybody else. So, first off, I hope everybody had a great holiday. Hope everybody had a great new year. Everybody's safe and healthy. Uh, I know we capped off 2022 with 41 weddings, and we typically only shoot 20. So, we, uh, I personally don't want to do that again. So, I would like to keep it like that too. I just don't, I don't want to do that again. Uh, I think, you know, I'm kind of, I'm recording episode number one of this year. However, I, I, you know, you'd think I would know my episode numbers, but I know, uh, we are actually on, I think it's episode 48 or 49. I'm going to have to check. Um, you'd think that I would have been prepared. What I was about to say is that, uh, I'm just kind of winging this episode. Yeah, this will be episode 48. I'm just kind of winging this episode. Because uh, I wanted to talk about some stuff that we're doing, some stuff that we have going on, some stuff that's coming up, uh, and just have just a general conversation. One thing I do want to say, and something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, is uh, you know, if you haven't heard me say this forty five hundred times by now, you know, I was in the military and I was in the navy, and you know, there's an expression "cuss like a sailor" for a reason, and it is so hard for me not to curse. So I, I do have a feeling that I'm just going to start marking these explicit and just be a little bit more me this go around. Um, because that's just kind of who I am. I can literally use the F word as every type of noun, adjective, pronoun, past participle. Uh, so I, I think I'm going to start marking these as explicit, not saying that I'm just going to like go on these random tirades about stuff, but just in case I'm talking about something and I, I drop an F bomb here and there, uh, so be mindful of that, I guess. So what I was going to say is, you know, 20, 2021 was just a shit show, uh, just in general terms. We were, I know personally we were slammed. I know a lot of people were slammed. It's not just us. Like we're not, you know, unique snowflakes out here. Like everybody in the wedding industry was just getting crushed last year. Um, you know, with that, we did we did have a record year for profit, but that did come at a cost because it was just a nightmare. Currently, uh, as soon as I'm done shooting these two episodes, I need to get right back to editing. I have four films left, one which will be done tomorrow, and that is my last longest film. So it's my last 10-minute highlight film. And three others are being edited by Arceus Creative. So I'm hoping to have the other two back uh, this week or next week. And then by the end of next week, have those done out to the couple and then just be waiting on the, the final film of the year. So I know just like so many other people, because we were just crushed and inundated, I outsourced uh, a bunch of work. So which, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, like that's what we need to do as a company. So that's kind of where we're at with 2021. I'm really glad that it's behind us. I'm sure a lot of people are glad that it's behind us. Uh, I know the month, the months of September and October were just a straight nightmare for us. Uh, Give me an example. We shot three back-to-back weddings on October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, 
and every weekend in September and every other weekend in October, we were shooting uh, two weddings a weekend at least. So, yeah, it was um, it was pretty crazy. Uh, we did have something happen last year. It's crazy to say that because it's only been 10 days ago now. Um, that we weren't really expecting. We did have a wedding cancel on us. Uh, they just outright canceled the, which is a first for us. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like that's, that's the first time it's ever happened during, you know, 2020 when everybody was rescheduling and that kind of stuff. Like, because we only shoot, we try to limit our weddings to 20 and that's it. We have wiggle room when it comes to, you know, thankfully something like 2020 happening because we were able to reschedule all of those weddings, but one. And the only wedding that we didn't reschedule was the bride. She gave us like five or six dates. We were available for every date, except I told her she wanted to do one of the dates was Monday Memorial Day. And I told her that we weren't available for that. Obviously, Memorial Day means something to me. And um, uh, so she came back and said, that's the only date that works for all of the other vendors. So I said, okay, you know, that's a federal holiday. So we we're going to have to charge you for a holiday. Like I'll do it, but I'm going to raise. And I think it was uh, like 500 or 750 bucks is what we increased the price. And she said that they couldn't afford that. So we said, okay, that's cool. And we just had a very you know, amicable conversation about it. And we said, you know what, maybe it's just best if we just kind of cut ties. And that was it. We did refund them their retainer. It just didn't seem worth it to be honest with you to go back and forth and do, and you know, we just, we refunded them their retainer and uh, we called it a wash. So we didn't have to worry about, you know, anybody being unhappy or getting into arguments or anything like that. It was the only one that we did in all of 2020. And I was okay with that. Like that's, I'm fine with that. So fast forward to 2021, we had a planner reach out to us, uh, I don't know, September ish. And they were like, Hey, uh, we're looking for a videographer for a, a December wedding. And I said, okay, cool. We're available. And we got everything lined up. You know, they paid the retainer, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And because it was so close, we took a 50% retainer, I believe. And, um, uh, I reached out to him because, you know, as Thanksgiving and, you know, that time was going on, their final payment was due that other 50%. So I, it, we didn't get it obviously. So I reached out and I said, Hey, I just wanted to touch base. I know the holidays are going on and, you know, everybody's really busy and that kind of stuff, but you know, you the final payments due, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll set up a time to do your storytelling session. And then the planner got back to me like six seconds later and was like, uh, they're trying to talk to the bride right now because it looks like they're canceling the wedding. And I said, look, you know, if they're rescheduling, cause she, you know, the planner called me on the phone and we were talking about it. And I said, if they're rescheduling, like, I don't have a problem right now just rescheduling because, you know, Omicron was you, kicking up and that kind of stuff. And I was like, look, if they're just rescheduling and we're available that date, like, we'll shift everything just like we did for our couples in 2020. It was the only time in 2021 that this was actually happening. So, um, and that's when she told me that. As far as they know, this has nothing to do with COVID or anything like that. 
and that the uh, bride and groom weren't telling the planning team why they were canceling. So I said, okay, just let me, you know, let me know what goes, what's going on, yada, yada, yada. And she, she sent me a message maybe a day later and was just like, yeah, they're, they're just outright canceling, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, okay, cool. You know, our contract has in it that if you cancel within a certain time frame before the, the date of the wedding that we keep the retainer. Uh, I was like, because everything was on such short notice, like I didn't technically our contract states that we get the full payment, but I also, I weighed, you know, staying in the good graces of the planner, to be honest with you. Cause you know, is it worth me like going down this, this like sludge fest if I don't have to, and it wasn't in my opinion. So I just, I told the planner that we would be keeping the retainer and we would send over a, um, cancellation contract that has like a non-disclosure agreement in it and all that kind of stuff. And she said that everybody was perfectly cool with that. We sent over the cancellation contract. We, you know, told them that, you know, in all seriousness, like we sincerely hope that everybody is well and, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, they signed the cancellation contract and we all went our separate ways. So that was actually a first for us. That was the first time that anyone has outright canceled their contract. And then we, um, we actually fell back on what the verbiage said in, said in ours. And if you notice, I said a couple of key things. We had a retainer. Uh, we had a contract, that kind of stuff. You know, you you get into this weird space if you use words like a deposit. Now, you know, I'm not a, a contract attorney by any means. So I've heard people say that uh, like there's intent involved in that kind of stuff. And people, you know, I would just, I would really just make sure that the language in your contract is correct. That way you wouldn't have to worry about like trying to explain to somebody like, Oh, it's not actually a deposit. It's a retainer and et cetera, et cetera. So that's just where we were at our contract. I'm not saying that it was a, uh, what's, uh, I'm trying to think of what the movie is where they have the massy, the massy prenup. It's with George Clooney, but the, the big joke in the thing is, oh, she, you signed a Massey prenup. You're never getting out of that. It's, I'm not saying that it's our contract is a Massey prenup. I'm just saying that it's written good enough to where when something like this happens, like we, you know, we didn't have any issues with anything. Now, mind you, we did exercise some grace and we didn't try to enforce taking the other, you know, half, but uh, we wanted to stay in good with the planner and not have to put them in a bad spot because they're already in a horrible spot to begin with because they're, they're not just reaching out to us. You have photographers, you have, um, you know, 10 services people like there was, you know, this, this was not a small event. So, you know, that's just uh that was a first for us. So 2021 had one of those. Uh, what else was going on? We, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about in this episode just in general terms, is we are switching camera systems. And I think I'm going to shoot the next episode talking about when and why you should switch systems. I think it's really important to uh, to kind of not jump on the bandwagon with everybody else. You know, buying gear every 12 minutes is not a good idea. And I'll talk more about that in the next episode because I am the worst at that. And Brittany is always kind of putting me back in my place when it comes to buying stuff. So, uh, 
We did decide, however, to switch to Sony. Bum, bum, bum. We went to, I would say the dark side, but I think Canon's the dark side. Um, I personally, I, I like Sony, just in general terms. Now, I also like Panasonic. So we have three Panasonic S5 cameras, and we had a Panasonic GH5S. I've already sold the GH5S, uh, and I'm going to sell the other two Panasonic S5s. I am going to keep one of them. Uh, one of the, one big reason why I'm keeping one of the panties is because they don't overheat. Period. Never once have I ever had a concern, and it can it gets hot out here. It's not like Texas hot, but it still gets hot out here in the summer. Like we're breaking a hundred degrees. Like we're it gets it gets pretty hot, and also gets super humid. It's kind of miserable. It's going to be seven degrees here tomorrow, and it's going to be like a hundred and six in July. Why'd I move here? Anyways, um, so we we want to keep one of the Panasonics. We'll, more than likely, the intent would be that we would use the Panasonic for the ceremony and uh, the couple's reaction during the toasts, and that's it. So we have a Canon 70-200 to with a Sigma MC21 adapter which adapts the RF to L-mount lenses. And they work really well. Like that, it's a beautiful lens. Like it's a great focal length. Like it works really, really well. So we use it for two shots out of the day. It's not going to be that hard for me to uh, color correct it and match the color to the, the Sony. I'll shoot, keep shooting in V-log and I'll, I'm, you know, we're obviously going to shoot in a S-log three for, the Sony. I just, I enjoy shooting in log, especially because we edit in DaVinci and inside of DaVinci, when you switch it over to DaVinci color managed, you can just right click. You can select all of your clips, right click on it, go input color space, and then change it to whichever log format it is. So, you know, for the Instagram post that I just did for today, I I had like six clips I don't know if you've listened to our Instagram uh, episode, uh, but it's it's about using Instagram as a uh, like a marketing platform. So I talk about uh, it's it's actually episode thirty one. So if you haven't listened to that, I'd, I'd highly recommend it because I talk about how we only do the vast majority of our uh, Instagram clips are like six to ten seconds, and that's it. And it works really well. So anyways, you should listen to episode 31 because that's pretty good if you haven't. Um, so that being said, I just selected the four or five clips that there were. I right-clicked on it, hit input color space, scrolled down to Panasonic V-Log, clicked it, and automatically converted it from V-Log into Rec. 709. And DaVinci's color conversion, I think, looks better than like the Panasonic LUT or the S log lot or anything like that. Like, I think it looks, it looks phenomenal. So I always just let DaVinci do its thing and then I'll go in and uh, color grade the clip. I'll just make some minor color corrections. And then I always, we've, we've been on uh, using gamut LUTs lately. So between like Dolce and Adagio and that kind of stuff. So I'll, uh, I'll put a lot on it and then I'll tweak it a little bit and then get it ready to go. So with that being said, uh, to do that to two clips that are not S-Log3 will not be that bad. 
So we'll we'll shoot with two different cameras for right now, uh, just because it it should it'll be just fine. But again, why I need to do the episode on not buying equipment is there's like an ingrained part of me that's like, oh no, I should just get a third camera, uh, maybe even two more, and that way they're all in Sony's. But I'm really trying to fight the urge to do that. So let's talk about what I got and why I got it. I, uh, I would say I did an extensive amount of YouTube research because that's a thing. And I, um, I decided to go with the Sony a seven four and there's a few reasons why one, I, I looked at the a seven S three and I looked at the FX three and I'm going to be really honest with you. This might piss a lot of you off. Uh, the FX three is just an amazing, amazing case study on marketing. I think that, that Sony really knocked it out of the park with their marketing department because in general terms, there is not a whole lot different between an FX three and an a seven S three, which a seven S three is a phenomenal camera. I'm not trying to bash that whatsoever. I think it's a great camera. Um, they changed the chassis put some lights on it and uh, rose the price for an XLR adapter. So I, uh, I think that was a pretty genius move on Sony's part. And I'm going to be honest with you. I am still pulled towards the FX three. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, one big difference between the two, if you guys haven't been following any of this is the, uh, obviously the FX three doesn't have a, uh, uh, an EVF, the electronic viewfinder. And I have never once used our EVF. So to not have it would mean absolutely nothing to me, to be perfectly honest with you. We have monitors and that kind of stuff. But the, um, yeah, I just, when it comes to like wedding videography, just my personal, you know, it seems like they, they took an A7S three, they changed the body, they slapped the word cinema camera on it. And then they were like, here comes a price increase. Uh, so yeah, I just, I don't, a part of me is just like, why not just save the 400 bucks? It's getting a seven S three. Like what? I get that there's tally lamps on it and a fan, but from everything that I've read and seen, you know, nobody's really been having a problem with a seven S threes overheating and we will be right back. Have you been struggling to make solid cinematic films? Do you watch other filmmakers and wonder why their products look so good? You need training, good specialized training something that is easy to digest and that you can take safely at home. I'm not talking about college. I'm talking about full-time filmmaker. Marco Wahlbeck and his team have put together an amazing course with over 400 training videos. Everything from Wedding Video Pro with Jake Weisler to how to edit with Premiere or Final Cut. Imagine getting proper, real-world training you can do at home. Imagine the impact that would have on your work, your skills increase, your quality increases, and then so do your prices. Click on our affiliate link below, take the free online training on their top 10 secrets to achieving cinematic shots, and see what full-time filmmaker can do for you. We did it, and it propelled our business. Let's talk about the a7 IV. I compared all of the specs from the a7 IV to like the a7s three. And by and large, I'm going to talk a lot off my head. So if some of the stuff's incorrect, don't lambast me too much for it. Um, by and large, the a seven four is very comparable. You know, there are certain things that the a seven four does better. 
I think, than the A7S III. Uh, and there are certain things I think the A7S III outperforms at the A7IV. But for what we need it for, for wedding videography, I think the A7IV is a great camera. So you've got, you know, up to 4K60 in 422 10-bit. I personally, this is just me, have never used 120 frames or more in a camera. I just don't like the look of that slow of slow motion. That is just a personal opinion. So to not have 4K 120 or 4K 240 doesn't really mean anything to me. Um, I think 4K 60 is plenty for what I use it for. And if you're doing a lot of commercial work, most of that's going to be in 4K 24. You know, you don't really need to shoot super high slow-mo things for a lot of the you know basic commercial work that you're doing. So obviously the, well, one of the cool things with the a7 four is I want to say they took the autofocus out of the a one, which is like a $7,000 camera. And that is what is inside the a7 four, which is pretty cool. I've been playing with it. It has three different autofocus types. So you got the human face and eye detect. You've got animal face and eye detect, and then you have bird face and eye detect. Now I am not a sport and wildlife photographer. So does bird face and eye detect mean anything to me? Not really. I'm probably never going to turn. In fact, I don't even have it selected right now. I just, I unchecked it because I'm probably never, ever going to use it. I, uh, one thing that you notice though, when you actually pick the camera up is a completely random thought that just popped in is the ergonomics of the camera actually feel really good. The way that they cut the hand grip feels like natural, like it has a better grip to it than any camera that I've held. It, it comes out more to a point and it seems, it seems to work really, really well. The, First thing that I noticed, so I went and downloaded from Matt Johnson his A7S III, uh, I think it's a DAT file. I, I could be wrong with that. The uh, Yeah, it's a DAT file. The A7S III .dat file, and I instantly realized that you cannot use that inside the A7 IV. So what I did is I copied most of his profile settings that he uses, and then I created my own. Uh, so I'll put a link somewhere for you guys to download it, but it's uh, just wedding videography for beginners dat, which is for the a seven four. So it mimics his settings by and large. Uh, I did make some tweaks to it because there are some differences. Uh, one being the focus mapping focus mapping isn't available for the a seven S three, at least not right now or the FX three. And that actually, I've been playing with that. That's actually a really cool feature to where it's showing you, like not only what is in focus, but then it's also showing you uh, your foreground and your background. So you can clearly, clearly see it It's kind of color coded and it looks a little messy at first when you see it, but when you get used to it, I think that we're going to have the best use of it uh, during the ceremony. So during the ceremony, when you're, when you're trying to pull focus on like the groom's face and that kind of stuff, like that's going to be a really quick indicator of like, hey, the, the groom's head's in focus. Like, here's the foreground, background, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, I think it's going to come in really handy during the ceremony. Um, but there are some small tweaks that I did, one of which being the wide focus area. I just, I don't, 
I like having more control of what's in focus. So I, I switched it over to spot with the large, um, like area. That's just a personal thing. I like being able to move the spot box wherever I need it and then pulling that into focus and then turning the tracking on and that kind of stuff. I just, I think that I just like having a little bit more control of it than when you're in wide, it seems like it's kind of guessing on its own what should be in focus out of all the objects. And I just, I would like to have a little bit more control of it. So I did, I did change that, but um, yeah, by and large, it's the same. So thanks, Matt. And let's talk about the overheating because I will admit one thing that you don't have to worry about with a Panasonic is overheating ever. I'm going to say that again. That just doesn't, that is not a thing. Um, at least with the S5, that thing is, it's just, I don't, I don't even think it has an overheat warning on it, to be honest with you. So, uh, when I got the a seven, four, we bought two of them. When I got one, I obviously took it out and I started fiddling with it. And I was like, Oh, while I'm sitting here watching, you know, umpty squat, I'm going to upload, I'm going to change all my menu settings to what, you know, Johnson was talking about. So, I made it about a half an hour in to his video when it overheated and shut off and I wasn't shooting video. I wasn't shooting anything. I was just in the menus and it was just either, it was actually sitting on the kitchen table and I was just using the touch screen in the back. So that kind of ruffled my feathers because I was like, oh my God, I'm not doing anything even remotely close to important right now. And this thing just overheated. So then I realized, you know, I was like, oh, you forgot you got to set that, you know, temperature thing to high heat, blah, blah, blah. So I switched that over and then kept going. And while I was in the menus and that kind of stuff, never had any more problems. I did three tests. No, four tests. I did four tests. And the first test, I was using all third-party batteries for these tests. I tried to mimic the same conditions. You know, right now it's, it's very cold in New England, so going outside and shooting wouldn't wouldn't be accurate whatsoever because it's freezing. Um, and you better not get an overheat warning. In fact, your batteries just drain faster because it's so cold. So inside of our house is like 70 to 71 degrees. So it's nothing crazy. Uh, so it's like a studio environment. I purchased four power extra batteries for like 50 bucks a pop. And I popped one of those in. I would assume that the Sony batteries perform better. So I didn't bother to test them. Like, I don't care. Like I, they're, they're the uh, manufacturer's batteries. They better do a better job. So I popped in a power extra battery. I put it at 4k 60, uh, X a V C S at four, two, two, 10 bit, 200 megabits with, autofocus continuous on, uh, with that face and eye detect. And I just set it in the kitchen and just let it record. And it recorded to 53 minutes. And the issue was not the overheating. The issue was the battery. The power extra battery lasted 53 minutes at 4k 60 and had 1% left when I stopped it. The camera was hot to the touch it wasn't, you know, like scalding and felt like it was going to melt, but you know, it was, it was definitely hot. The heat lamp was on. So that warning, that warning came on, uh, at about the 45 minute mark, 
but it didn't shut down. It just it kept recording and that kind of stuff, and it, it did record until the battery uh, ran out for the most part. And for us, because we try to do, you know, we're not we're not trying to do like long Catholic ceremonies and that kind of stuff because they're just they're so long. And this right, wrong, or indifferent, they're just long. Um, we normally were recording for like thirty minutes for a ceremony at this stage, uh, so that's plenty of time in four K sixty. But then I tested the 4K24 with the Power Extra battery, and the the conditions were virtually identical. It was the next day. The conditions were virtually identical. It's about 70 degrees. It was in the kitchen. Was that uh, you know X AVCS uh, 24 frames at 422 10-bit, which is 100 megabits per second with the autofocus on. Uh, it went for 40 minutes and then it just like, I had taken my eye away from it. I was, you know, just doing stuff and checking it like every couple of seconds or a couple of minutes and I walked back over to look at it and it was off. So in the span of just a couple of minutes, the heat lamp came on and then the, the, um, camera shut off. The issue was the battery was uh, way up. Like, yeah, I want to say it was at like 53%. It wasn't, you know, definitely wasn't the battery was drained. So that, that kind of shocked me. I was like, oh God, what just happened here? So one thing that I was doing that I noticed that was different in the tests is the first test I had my monitor on top of the camera because I was like walking around the house and doing stuff. And, um, the HDMI port was open because the HDMI port was being used and the mic socket was open because I had my road. I think it's a video mic pro or video micro, whatever it is plugged in. So those two ports were actually open on the side of the camera. So I stared at it for a second and was like, I wonder what happens if I open these. So I opened the doors on the side. I got a new battery and I popped that battery in and it went for uh, an hour and five minutes at 4k 24. The battery was at 19% and I just got bored and turned it off. There was no uh, heat lamp warning. There was nothing. It was warm. It wasn't uh, like crazy hot by any means. It was, wasn't was even as close to being as hot as it was in 4K60. And, uh, but ironically, it did feel the same as the test before that because the one before that when it, cut out at 40 minutes, it did not feel hot to the touch, you know, not nothing more than usual. It's not like it would be uncomfortable to hold it by any means. So, uh, I tested it a third time just to be safe with a third battery. So now we're, we've used three different power extra batteries and I did that this morning. So a good solid 
16 hours had passed from the last test. And uh, it went for an hour and 10 minutes, had 13% battery life, had no heat indicator. The body was warm, uh, just like the other two tests. And I, I think that maybe I have a bad battery from Power Extra. That's just my personal opinion. It seems like it's everything is pointing to that battery right now. Because when I used two other uh, new Power Extra batteries, I had zero issues whatsoever with overheating. And I mean, even when I was at 4K60, it didn't overheat and stop. It just, the battery was dead. So I, uh, I, I don't, at this stage... I don't think I have a whole lot of concerns with the overheating uh, when you have it set to that high heat, but we've yet to really like test it at like a wedding where it's in the sun and that kind of stuff. So there is a part of me that is concerned about that. And that's one reason why I have been thinking about the FX3. And that's because of the, uh, the massive fan system that's on the back of it. So see, see how I'm always, I'm always going back to buying something. This is, it's an addiction. Uh, now, I, uh, I I seen all the posts about the rolling shutter. From everything that I read, there's less rolling shutter in 4K60 when it's in APS-C. However, I don't know about anybody that's listening to this, like how, like I've never jerked my camera left and right when I'm doing a wedding. So I've, you know, I watch the tests that people are doing to demonstrate the rolling shutter. And I'm like, Oh my God, when would you actually do that? You know, I get it. If you're vlogging, I guess, and you've got the camera right in your face and you're trying to do a, a fast 360, but that's not something that, that I've ever personally done. So I'm not too concerned with the rolling shutter. Uh, I did. I was very excited when I got the MC11 adapter from Sigma to convert our Canon EF to Sony E-mount. However, I did not know that you don't get continuous autofocus and video mode when you do that. So that's lame. So if you guys were wondering about that, they don't support continuous autofocus. Which also means that it doesn't support the new uh, focus mapping. Because that didn't, that wasn't supported either. So, but what I listen to a lot of people talk about when it comes to the A7 IV is the 1.5 crop. And uh, I think some people call it a Super 35 crop too. I might be wrong with that, but the uh, everybody kind of loses their mind over a one and a half times crop. And I just don't really, it seems to me like it's just a talking point. Like I listen to people and I'm like, oh, it's a deal breaker. Wait, what? Like you want to spend, it's what, another grand for a Sony a7S three, And because you can shoot 4K 120 without a crop factor. Like I just don't, it's basic math. Like I don't understand where everybody, you know, kind of loses their mind when it comes to this crop. If you're better prepared, like I'll give you a perfect example. 4K 60 in the Panasonic S5 comes with a crop. And, uh, so we just prepared for it. I bought a 24 millimeter lens. So when I'm shooting in 4K 60, it's, you know, pretty close. I think it's like 33. Uh, it's close to a 35 millimeter equivalent. 
I use a 35 millimeter lens, which then becomes like 45 millimeters. So I can get close to a 50. I bought a 50. So it's, you know, shooting up towards 70 millimeters. So I can get, you know, nice portrait shots, et cetera, et cetera. Where I stopped with the lenses, I did buy an 85 millimeter, but when you convert that, it's 135 millimeters. It's close to that. Uh, and that's just way too close. Like when you're when you're standing in like a hotel room or something like that, and you're trying to use the 85 millimeter 4K 60, like you're, you're looking at like somebody's nostril. So, uh, what, what was I going to say? Yeah. So I mean, if you just prepare for it and you buy lens equivalents, then you have nothing to worry about. I personally got the 16 to 35 millimeter Sony G Master. Uh, and it doesn't really make a difference to me if I'm using it in 4k 24, I've got 16 to 35 to play with. If I'm using it in 4k 60, I've got roughly 24 to 50 to play with. So they're all pretty much covered. It doesn't, you know, it's not really doing, it doesn't affect the quality. In fact, the quality from this lens, cause or from the sensor, cause it's 33 megapixel sensor, um, it's an oversampled like 7k image. It's being down, down sampled to 4k. And then when you're at 4K 60, it's like a 4.6K resolution image that's being downsampled to 4K. So you're still shooting in greater than quote-unquote 4K resolution. You're still at 422 10-bit. You've just changed the focal length of your lens a little bit. Now, mind you, if you're only shooting on primes, you got to get the right primes to do 4K 60. But as long as you're prepared, I mean, who cares? Um one thing that I didn't realize and that I now love about Sigma is you can send your Sigma lenses into, for me, they're going to go to Sigma of America. And then from Sigma of America in New York, they're going to ship out to Japan and they will change the mount on the back and then ship them back to me. So they, you know, obviously cost money. I think the most expensive one was three, three eighty. And I think for two of my lenses, it was like 200 and some change. But um, so all in all, it's going to cost me 900 bucks. But I've switched over. Uh, they're currently in the shipping process right now. So hopefully I get the lenses back by mid-February. This is the first week of January. So hopefully I get them back. You know, they said four to eight weeks, so hopefully mid-February. Um, but they switch out the mount and then send them back to you. So rather than me having to buy new lenses, they just, I switched out my 35 millimeter, my 85 millimeter and my 24 to 70. And the intent would be that pretty much during uh, bride prep, groom prep, uh, B-roll shots, that kind of stuff, I'll be using the 16 to 35 millimeter G master and Brittany will just be on the 24 to 70. So that gives us a nice range of focal lengths. We don't need to worry about switching out lenses and that kind of stuff. And, um, once the reception starts and like they're into dancing, dancing, then I'll just switch over to probably the, the 35 millimeter 1.4 or I'll give her the 35 millimeter 1.4 and then I'll take the 85 1.4 and we'll just, we'll shoot on that for the dancing. It's got, you know, really wide aperture and those are just beautiful lenses. So one thing that I've noticed thus far with the autofocus is that it works insanely well, which is a very different experience coming from Panasonic. Uh, you know, the, the only setback to a Panasonic camera is 
the autofocus. I think that the S5 has got just an amazing image. It has amazing IBIS. You know, it has all of these features that we've been talking about with this camera. And you can get one brand new right now for 1700 bucks. So the only difference really is the autofocus. So uh, I, I wanted to, and our specific reason for switching over is actually that. The reason being is we are moving into a market to where when you're, when you're into a more luxury market, like you are trying to get these like amazing wide, you know, really moving shots. Like there is a lot of movement in all of your shots inside of the luxury market. They're not so much static anymore. Nothing's on a tripod. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. Like these shots are like very dynamic. And what I've been noticing is it is insanely hard to do that with a Panasonic S5 because you're trying to pull focus at your endpoint, And then as you're like walking through something, the things that you're walking through are not in focus. And it was just getting really frustrating. So we decided that we would get a camera that had a, a significantly better autofocus system that would make our lives easier when it came to doing like nice, dramatic sweeping shots. So that was our biggest reason for changing. And I think that the quality of these cameras are great. I think the quality of the S5 is great too. So don't, you know, I'm not trying to like judge people or say that like Panasonic is horrible. Like I, I still like Panasonic. I'm going to keep this S5. I think it's a great camera. Uh, but that's just kind of my thought process on why we switched. Uh, I also thought it was cool that now mind you, I didn't have a whole lot of experience with it because I didn't shoot with Sony to begin with. But the focus breathing was a big issue with a lot of these lenses, including the lens that I bought, 16 to 35. And it's got a focus breathing compensation in it with things like the A7S3. As far as I know, that doesn't have it. The FX3 doesn't have it. Uh, it crops in the image a little bit. I want to say it's like uh, like 10%. It crops in the image a little bit. However, it is virtually eliminated that focus breathing. So that's a really cool feature. Um but like I said, I don't have anything to compare it to because I didn't really shoot with a Sony before now. So, but I think it's a great camera for the price. We got them, you know, we got them off B and H for 20, like 24 99, I think. But, um, uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited to go out and like do stuff with these because it's mainly been just me shooting just around the house and me following the kids around and just doing little testing things. Like I'm excited to, I have some, some corporate work coming up here in about two weeks. So I'm excited to use this on an actual job and really test it and see if it actually does overheat while I'm trying to use it. Um, but again, I think that that's going to be really difficult right now for this time of year because you know, the high is probably going to be 30 while I'm out and about using it. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned with that, but, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, let me know your thoughts. Let me know what you guys think. I think a lot of people are shifting around just in general. Uh, I, I do like Sony because of their price too. Like, I think that Sony has a very comparable camera to Canon just in general terms. And I think that the price point's better. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Feel free to yell at me if you feel differently. But uh, yeah, I'll get the DAT file listed 
and that way people can download it. So if anybody's getting an A7 IV, they're more than welcome to use the menu settings that we did. It saves you about 45 minutes of going through and trying to set everything up. But, um, yeah, no, we're excited. I'm excited to be back doing the podcast. I, like I said, I really hope everybody is, is safe and healthy right now. And, you know, obviously if you like this, make sure that you subscribe, make sure you follow us on our YouTube channel. I'm going to do an actual review review of the A7 IV. I need to film it. Uh, and it'll talk about some of the things that we talked about here, but it'll go into way more detail on the A7 IV. But, um, yeah, make sure that you join our private Facebook group. Why don't you go for beginners? And like I said, I hope everybody is staying safe and healthy, and I will talk to everyone next week. All right, out. Are you backing up your footage? Is it seamless, running in the background, and easily available? Bring in Backblaze, the world's easiest cloud backup. Our workflow is so simple. We offload our footage onto our external drives. Then that evening, the files automatically start backing up into the cloud. There's nothing else for us to do. Imagine having the peace of mind that your footage is stored off-site in a safe location where you can easily retrieve it from your browser and that it is crazy affordable. That's Backblaze. Click on our affiliate link below and get one month free.